Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Daphne. And I'm Ilaria. And today we are talking to Kate Northrup who is such a cool mom. She is so, so cool. She lives up in Maine. She like totally knows herself. She is the perfect mix between science, daughter of a doctor, and like totally woo-woo out there, which we are. We're all over that. I love that. <laughs> we're all about that. You know, that. you're going to hear a point where she's like, are you guys okay with woo? And we're like, we're so, we're not, it's not just woo, it's woo-woo, okay, here. <laughs> so I love it because it's just making sense of the world. And, you know, we're all exhausted regardless of what we do every single day, where we live. You know, one thing that unites us as parents is that we would like to be a little bit more efficient and do less, which is her motto. So I think you're really, really, really going to enjoy this and learn a lot. I definitely learned a lot. I was riveted by one specific thing in this conversation, especially um, that I just want to highlight for you guys going into it because you're going to pay close attention. And if you're anything like me, it's going to just set off a million different little thought bubbles and new ways of doing and running your life. She's going to tell us about you, everyone knows about a period, obviously, but you don't necessarily know that there are four phases within each 28-day cycle that actually dictate your moods, your effectiveness, your productivity, what you are ideally engineered to do in that particular, give it, you know, call it a week maybe. Um, and it just totally restructures how you think about yourself and how you think about how you should be, you know, potentially organizing your life if you can do it that way. Um, anyway, it totally blew my mind and I cannot wait to talk to you guys about it um, and hear from you guys. I think we're going to hear a lot from you after this episode. So now um, have a listen to Kate Northrup. This is a bat. Welcome back to another episode of <laughs> Ice Sexy Mom Sexy Mom um, so- I am really into that 90s deep voice. I just think it's there's it's so beautiful. much gravitas Do you when in you that. St- did you ever used to leave your message when you had a cold? Oh. Like, you're like... Maria <laughs> <laughs> waits to call everyone back till she has a cold. <laughs> but that like, can sound like make you no, sound no, like no, no, Kermit. No, like... Oh, you're like, like voicemail. Hey, hey you've, you've reached Hilaria. Leave a message. <laughs> Wait, you know... <laughs> Oh my gosh, we should totally have mom mail be a voicemail box. Yes. And we're like, hey, you reach, or we could do it, you know, with like a slight gut. What's the, what's it called when it's a vocal fry where it's like, hi, you've reached Alaria and Daphne. <laughs> This is a ridiculous I episode know, I of think, I think Cal's going to be cutting all this Cal is writing he's skip like, to the like, end. He's like, okay, from, abort, from abort 11 minutes to 17 minutes, cut out. Oh, he's writing his notes. Back, back on, on track. track. Well, okay, Great. so watch Thanks, this. Watch the, watch the track. Watch the track, Cat. That, uh, <laughs> okay, Kate, will you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kate Northrup, and I am the author of Do Less, A Revolutionary Approach to Time and Energy Management for Busy Moms. I am a mom of two. I have two little girls. Um, they are one year old, one year old and three and a half. Um, and I live in Maine with my husband. We run a company together. It's a kind of a digital home base for uh, primarily for female entrepreneurs and freelancers who want to learn how to have more by doing less and get better results with less effort and less stress. You can find me on katenorthrop.com and on Instagram at Kate Northrup. 
Perfect. Perfect. We for, I forgot to even yeah. tell you that part because that was going to be the next thing. Um, so I'm glad that you you did that on your own. So do less. I love that because I feel like the more that we do, we don't always do it better. So talk to us a little bit about do less. Yeah. So do less is really like this whole thing started when I was so exhausted during my first pregnancy. And like I couldn't make myself work. It was so bizarre. I mean, my brain was not on board, and I cut my work hours by about in half because I, I just literally my body wouldn't do it. Well, we take give everyone your background a little bit because you and your husband do run your own business. You moved your company. family from Manhattan up to me. Like, tell us, tell everybody about that. Well, journey. Okay, I mean, how far do you want me to go back? <laughs> the Cliff's Notes. Too. Yeah, the Cliff's Notes version. Yes. 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 I left New York City in 2011. To go on a grand adventure, I found my husband within five days, though that was not my plan. We went on a cross-country road trip, which was supposed to be five days. It turned into 10 months. And then I moved him back to Maine with me because I always wanted to raise my kids in Maine because it was a great place to grow up. And, you know, God love you, too. I do not know how you raise kids in the city. So rock on. So I always wanted to raise kids in Maine. I'm, I moved back to my hometown my husband, Mike, I scooped him up along the way. So we run our own company. We didn't have a backup financial plan. So it wasn't like, oh, if if I stop working, I have, you know, his income or some sort of maternity leave or paternity leave. We know we don't have like paid family leave in this country. So there was no backup plan. So we needed to get the same results from working far less. And that first year of parenthood really kicked our butts. I mean, Penelope was a sick baby. I had postpartum insomnia. I had postpartum anxiety, um, a traumatic birth experience. She was waking up like every 10 minutes. Mm. I mean, it was <laughs> so bad. And so and we only had 10 hours of childcare that first year, a week, not for the whole year, but a week. <laughs> you spaced that out how? <laughs> minute by minute. Yeah, it was 15 minutes a week. <laughs> so I could take a shower. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, to yeah. see that, that's where you will go. Shower. That's always. Yeah. Always. Just, I just want to wash my hair. I remember the first time Mike took Penelope out after we'd had her. And he was like, you can do whatever you want. And I went and got my eyebrows waxed. Like, that was the thing that I was like, I will feel human again if I have a well-shaped brow. <laughs> Wait, have, but sorry. Fair, sorry fair, to fair. focus on the vanity element of that yeah, for yeah. one second. But I think it's important. There's a weird thing that always happens where right after you give birth, you have this straight surge of hormones, right? And everything plumps up and you have no wrinkles. And you're like, everything's kind of hazy and dewy. And you're so tired anyway. And you're like, I don't look terrible. Like, this is okay. You know, your eyes are kind of squinted shut anyway. And then at some point, seven days, like almost to an exact day, seven days post-birth, everything goes away. And all of a sudden, just like all the black under eye bags show up and the exhaustion is so visible and the pain and like the everything has finished being numb and just the the pain is there now. And I, I remember thinking the same thing. I was like, I remember looking in the mirror and being like, damn. I wish I'd gotten eyelash extensions. <laughs> like, 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 it's something. those little things. They make such a big difference. Yeah. Like I, I got a pedicure, you know, soon before both girls were born. Yeah. Even though, just, anyway. So, okay. So I got my eyebrows. My, my, I don't even mine know what we're talking hair. about. Your hair. I, to get I, become, like it. I become like BFFs with my hair people. And just then go in and get a blowout. They'll come, they'll come and you. they'll yeah. come and visit me. That's great. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and this is not, you I'm paying really somebody, guys, guys, don't, don't, no, no, no. It's a friend who can blow out hair. Oh, okay. And they come to meet the baby and simultaneously and blow out, blow out See, my hair. Let's add that to the meal train. 
Like you can do, you can bring a casserole or you could bring a blowout. You could, you could blow. Yes. I yes. love and that. No, it, it was life changing to, to feel That's like really nice. you, it was, it's like the night, the nicest thing. Yeah. That's lovely. Okay. Wait. So you had 10 well, hours anyway. of childcare. Wait, so and, we had, had no childcare. And so Mike and I both like contracted our work hours significantly. And yet we sat down a year after Penelope was born. And this is after, you know, nine months and then plus a year, whatever amount of time mm-hmm. that is. And we realized both years we had made the same amount of money. So I thought, well, then what the heck was I doing my entire adult life? If I could have gotten the same results working half as much or less than half of half as much, I've just been overworking this whole time. Mm-hmm. And I realized I am not that special. If I'm overworking that much, other people are overworking that much. And especially like as I started to navigate motherhood and just my my massively limited bandwidth for both actually doing my business and also caring about my business mm-hmm. because – once I had this baby, like my business, I was like, "What's my business?" Blah, blah. Like, yeah, exactly. I'm trying to keep this person alive, yeah. it really put everything into perspective. And so, but I still, I'm achievement oriented. I want results, and so it was really like learning. I so I kind of went back in time, and I thought, "Well, what did I do differently?" And could I codify that? Mm-hmm. Could I, you know, and 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 I could, and then and I started practicing it, it with um, with a bunch of women. I have about a thousand women in a community, and. And they were researching it with me. And so we tried it out. And because we were looking at, like, how can we change our expectations? How can we let ourselves off the hook but not sacrifice our our well-being, our results, and really do less literally in order to have and achieve more? Right. And so that's, I mean, that's kind of, that's where it came from. I mean, I, what I love about you, and I want to continue to delve into this a little bit more, is that you're taking your life lessons and you're being a teacher and you're wanting to help other people. That's what I I, do. Yes. And I think that that is just so kind. That's so nice. Because you could sit with yourself and be like, okay, I'm going to do this all by myself. But you're like, you know what? I know. You see the similarities. And that's what's incredible. We're actually a lot more similar than we are different. Um, And that's kind of what here on Mom Brain is all about. It's like, let's come and like talk to people from all different walks of life and let's talk about things that we all care about. Yeah, because when we tell the truth about our experience, it turns out we're not that different. I think it's when we're lying about things or pretending that they're different Correct. that then we think like, oh, well, she's got it better or this person or whatever. But when we tell the truth, like when, you know, for you talking about your experience with your recent miscarriage, like that's just such a unifier. And I think that I think that we need to do more of that. And that's why I love what you two are doing here on well, you're, Mom you're wanting we are, we are wanting to make the world a, a better place and better place by like, let's stop pretending that we're just like you have all the answers. You're like, actually, it's because I'm working less. Yeah. I mean, well, I know that's the thing, right? Don't we always look at women and we say like working moms mm-hmm. who who seem to be doing a lot of things. We look at them and we say. Well, how do you do it all? Yeah, I, and I don't know how you do it all. People always say that. I don't know how. I don't know how you do it all. Like, like you're like a magical human. You're like, no, no, just learn some shortcuts. Well, the answer is, anytime anybody says that to me, I'm like, I don't. Yeah, of course I don't. I don't do it all. I also think I think we have, I think there are two sort of psychological things at play. The first is that I think in your own life you you most people frequently focus on the negative where when they're looking at other people's lives they focus on the positive that's a good point. and that's partly because of social media and frankly people only advertise their positive for the most part which is why i also think there's a really important note in without being in any way 
self-indulgent or like poor me about it, that we sometimes highlight that there are challenges for everyone, that everyone does struggle with certain things and nothing is this sort of perfect utopia that it seems. Um, and on this, uh, we, you know, at the same time, we should we should always be looking for ways to highlight in our own lives the positive. And that I was I gave a talk last night, and a woman had asked about that, like how do you how do you remind yourself of those positive moments when you are in a low point? Um, and that's a lot of why I want I when I had Philo, I like vowed that I was going to journal because I really wanted to remember all these special things that were going to be happening along that first journey that I was taking, and I completely did not journal because. <laughs> <laughs> because I got so it's, a it's, over, it's, overwhelming. it's overwhelming and you know I'm the type of person where like I wanted to be a doctor but I wanted to be a surgeon so like if I couldn't be a surgeon I didn't want to go to medical school at all you know and if I'm not going to write <laughs> it's, called, like, it's called a perfectionist right? by the way <laughs> like, it's called a perfectionist that's the thing it's really weird but it was like I, if I wasn't going to write you know three pages of handwritten beautiful cursive diarying then I wasn't re- worth doing it and what I finally figured out to do maybe when she was two probably it took me that long was just a sentence a day and now obviously I have other That's kids that are included in this do you, just do you a, actually do I that do, oh, I, I do that. and sometimes it ends up happening like if I'm if I'm traveling I don't have like a little notebook I have a notebook that I keep next to my bed but when I'm traveling I just do it on my phone and I'll write it when I get home but um but I also have started doing little like if I did something really that I was proud of in a day or that I wanted to remind myself why I was successful at something in a day I'll write that down too because I think we there's something like I don't know if it's psychosomatic. It's something about using your own hand to write an idea down that actually imprints it on your body and in your brain and solidifies mm-hmm. it. So I do think that's really critical. And then there was a second point about uh, allowing your life to to embrace. You know, doing when you say how do you do it all? I don't know how you do it all. Allowing your life to embrace whatever you've chosen to do in that moment, and yeah, people say live in the moment, which I think is is great, but it, it's hard to be actionable around that. I think um, what I've tried to grapple with and come to terms with is if I've chosen to be somewhere, and I'm in a position to do this, if I've chosen to be somewhere, some part of it makes me happy, and I have to let myself enjoy being happy in that moment, and maybe. Like, because I used to think if I'm at work, I'm missing this time with my kids. I'll never get it back. If I'm home with my kids, I'm missing work opportunities. I'll never get those back. And it was just joy stealing left, right and center for me. And then you're never anywhere. You're never anywhere. You're never happy with what you're doing. You're not you're not living your life. You're you're resentful and and resistant. It's a horrible feeling. So letting yourself uh, uh, being okay with your own decisions, knowing you don't need to justify them to anyone else. And letting yourself be happy in that moment so that you can be happy in all the other moments, I think, is really critical. So it's not that anyone does it all, but maybe some people enjoyed what it is that they're doing a little bit more, you know, mm. that that or they create peace with it. You know, mm-hmm. even, you know, where when I've had jobs that I really didn't enjoy, you know, you have to find this. That's your life. experience. Those are your minutes, your your seconds that are that are passing by. Yeah. And you better make them count. You better, uh, uh, if it's a bad experience, I try to learn something good. Yes. Now, I love what you're talking about as well, the coping, and I want to also get you, your opinion about that, of, of coping when, when things are difficult. Um, and then proactively trying to make change from that. So, like, I have something that, you know, sometimes my husband finds it to be extraordinarily annoying. He's like, well, you're a little mispositive. Um, but it helps me. It's like, like, if I drop a coffee on myself, I'm like, 
at least they're black pants and they're not white <laughs> pants. You know, I literally will go you to do. like you the really most do. ridiculous childish thing of like, oh, this could be way worse. You know, I mean, when even even something like with the miscarriage where I allowed myself, to, I mean, I don't want anyone to think that I wasn't I wasn't sad because of course I was sad and of course I cried and of course it's not what I wanted and I definitely didn't want to experience it. But I try to think about all of the things. I am. I feel so fortunate that I have four kids. I feel so fortunate that it happened relatively early because had it happened, I mean, people are were so open and telling me stories where they lost babies at 20 weeks. They had stillborn children. I mean, that's something that, that I have a tremendous amount of respect. And, and I look at those women and I say, I don't know how strong you are, like how you have that strength. Um, and we all look at each other and we think like, how, how do you do that? I don't know how you do it. I mean, exactly going back to, to, to what it is. Um, you know, so I'll look at the different things. I, and then I also look at, and this goes back to what you were saying. I'll look and say, what am I, I'm suffering right now, but I'm going to suffer in a way that is proactive and not only I can yes. make my life better, but I can speak about it. I can teach about it. I am a teacher. Ultimately, when people come up to me and they don't, they don't know me and they ask me what I do, I say I'm a teacher. And that is my job in life. And my job is to figure it out and then teach people. Report back. Report, report back. I love that. So going back to, to your story, I feel like I heard little tangents on mom brain. Yeah, it's great. Going back to your story, you know, where where was it where you had this idea of like, okay, now I want to go and teach? Well, the I mean, the truth is, this may sound like a little woo. I don't know how woo you guys are. <laughs> I am very woo. I feel like we both are kind yeah. of. Like, yeah. Yeah. We, love, yeah. we appreciate we, it, woo. We, we okay, great. So <laughs> I got my period back after my daughter was 13 months, my first, and literally all at once, like the whole thing came to me. I started so, so. I don't know if you guys have talked about periods much, but on, on mom brain. I don't think so, actually. Uh, but they're responsible for being moms, so here we are. Yeah, no, I, we, yes, it's it definitely, we've talked about, you know, Everything things else. that are on the same It's in the genre. Line. Yes, yes, so, yes. So basically, I had, when I first got my period for the first time, it was like awful. I hated it. It was just like the saddest day of my life. And it took me until I was 33 to be like, you mean when you got your period the first, like the day. first time? Oh, okay. you know, when I, was I was like, I was like, after you had a kid, no, 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 really no. Was, when okay. I was, you know, when I don't remember how old I was, something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. And then it was so cool to have this moment where it came back, and for the first time in my life, I was actually excited because it was like this return to me. Yeah. I was like, oh, were you still nursing? Did you? Nurse? I was still Did nursing. You? Okay. Mm-hmm. Both times I got it back, I was still nursing. So then all, and I had been really in. And in this, I'll, I'll I'll explain the framework in a minute because it has to do with your coping your coping question and like how do we mine the gold out of the sludge? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had really been in this place of like really not knowing what my work was because I had a book in uh, 2013 called Money: A Love Story that came out did very well, and and after that I just didn't really feel like talking about money anymore. And I was like, Shit. once you write a book about something, they want you to be the That's expert, your expert on yeah. that topic, and like I had nothing further to say, um, which was a bummer. And so, I, or a great thing because your book was so good that it said everything you needed to say on the subject. Yeah. Mic drop, done. Oh, sure. <laughs> You're a Renaissance woman, and I am a Renaissance woman. Something new. I, I love like that. a serial topic 
creative yeah. type person. Yeah. So anyway, so it was like three years of getting married, having a kid. You know, I was doing things, but like from a career perspective, I was very unclear on what I was meant to be doing. And then all of a sudden, like it was literally like the day my period came back, all of a sudden it came clear. And I, I there was a very funny story that I don't know that I've mentioned it um, before. I was at my girlfriend's baby shower. I flew to San Francisco to surprise her right around this time. And I called my husband and I was like, "Hun, I got it. Like, I got the whole thing. I got what my next book is. Like, I got the whole new body of work. Like, it's here. And I said, it's called Do Less. Like, I just knew the title, the whole thing. And he was like, you're never going to believe. He was like, holy shit, you're never going to believe this. And I was like, what? And he goes, well, I'll tell you when you get home. Okay, fine. So I go that's home. Oh, no, that's so, oh, that would kill me. <laughs> he really likes surprises. He like likes to create do, a whole but do, thing But do you stuff. like surprises? I do. I do. Oh, okay, okay. as long as you're on the same I page. I like to be surprised. Because I'm not good at creating. Go, I, would, I, I would like strangle my husband through the phone. No, no, no. He's like a great orchestrator. Like he threw like a five-day birthday bash for my 30th birthday. Like oh, surprise after surprise so after cool. surprise. Beautiful. So anyway, I get home. And he has these vanity plates out on the kitchen counter. And this was 24 hours later. So, like, he had he ordered them a long them. time. Yeah. And the vanity plates for our new car were due less. <gasps> I'm sorry. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. And wait, was this like a phrase that you guys used no, at home? Never. You guys we just... had not, like, it was not part of our vocabulary. And going back to how you guys met, you guys met immediately. You guys met and then immediately was like this. We, no, we met. And then six months later, I invited him to drive across the country with me. But that's still pretty Which fast. is a very odd thing that I did. I don't know what I was like. We were not dating. It was not even romantic. And I didn't even invite him thinking it would be romantic because had I thought it would be romantic, I never would have invited him because who does that? (laughs) Okay, okay, but is this one of those things in hindsight? Because sometimes I'm like, like I would go out to dinner with a guy and I was so naive and I was like, oh, we're friends. Right. And they were like, "Mm, what did you think? Yeah, no, he What did you think? Like he definitely thought something different. So in hindsight, in hindsight, you get that you kind of asked him out on a date to drive. In hindsight. Okay. But I would never have done that if I knew that's what I was doing. I've never asked a guy out in my life. So anyway. Which just goes to show breaking habits sometimes leads to very mm-hmm. positive results. Yeah, totally. Totally. And being unattached yeah. because I was not having any outcome in mind. No expectation. I just was like, this would be fun. And he seems quite capable if I like got stuck in a snowbank. <laughs> he can change tire. <laughs> in, like Indiana. burly man. He knows how he to use the ways out. I was like, he's got really good arms. Uh, I think he- <laughs> Can lift the car. <laughs> oh my god! And he was running his own business, so he was available anyway to work on the road. So that's where that's where the book came from, and it just like literally came through. And so this data, so this really interesting data from um, Dr. Luann Brizendine's book, The Female Brain. She talked about a study in her chapter, The Mom Brain, which I think you two would both love. Um, and this study studied uh, mama monkeys. So they had three groups of mama monkeys. One group got consistent resources every day. They got the same amount of abundant food and water every day for themselves and their babies. Another group got a limited amount of food and water every day for their babies. Um, But the same amount every day was just low. And a third group got inconsistent. Some days it was a lot, some days it was not. Interestingly, they found that the monkeys who got a lot of food and a little food both did great. They were great moms. They were very sane. They were calm. The third group went psychotic and they could not care for their babies appropriately. And they lost their minds. The stress. The stress of the inconsistency because the mom brain wants something Stability. to count on. 
And so for me, I'm bringing it that around. That just gives me chills. I, I don't want you to. I, I'll tell you why. I'll know I don't where want you to I'm lose going. Your th- thought. <laughs> what gives me chills? A just to think about that study is so valuable to us as humans to learn about. But like, I hate thinking about the mother monkeys know, and their awful. babies. That makes me want to cry. But I also think that that is such a that is such a perfect example of how we as women in whatever counterpart society you believe in where like people people pair up or match up together because we need community our only drive is to create stability our only drive is to create uniformity of like predictable outcome for our families and now i'm going to sit here quietly so i don't cry on the microphone I cry all the time on my podcast, so by all means. I'm really hormonal. Blame my hormones. Well, interestingly enough, that's the perfect segue. So at that time, I started, I had started tracking my period for the first time, like in my life. Before that, I was like the 13-year-old girl who would be out like, Surprise. you know, I was like 29, but I would be like, oh, shit, I got to go to a drugstore. Yeah. 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 And then all of a sudden, when I became a mother and it came back, I, w- I was obsessed with tracking it. And not only tracking when my period would come, but tracking all four phases. Because unfortunately, we are given... What is that? Um, exactly. Yeah. So we are given a massive disservice in like sex ed or health class. We're just taught like that the period comes. There are these four unique phases of our cycle that we go through every month that each have like tremendous gifts for us. During the entire cycle or just during the time that you bleed? No, during the whole month. Okay, bring us through because I don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. So here's what, so this is what I learned. I had sort of known it because my mom, you know, had talked about it, but um, it's not like I read a lot of her books. I mean, I'm just being honest. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you read your dad's not, books? Not, no. not at all. Like we get a lot of information by I osmosis. Own yeah. As do I. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, so it was, so your period comes. That's the menstrual phase. We're familiar with that. Then, you, and, and your brain is wired differently at each one of these phases. Mm. And energetically, they're the same as the four seasons of the year. So it's really easy to remember. And energetically, they're the same as the four uh, phases so of the moon. Is is the menstrual, is that fall? No, the menstrual. You were close. You were close. <laughs> It's winter. Things it's are falling out. So I'm going to tell you. So the so it, the winter of your cycle is the menstrual time. It's the time for rest. It's going to be your obviously your lowest energy time. But it's also the time when your brain is the most connected between your left and right hemispheres, and you'll get your best ideas and your strongest intuition at that time. Which is why when my period came back with my daughter, all of a sudden, just like my whole next work dropped with it. So if you're thinking about something and you don't know what to do about it. In terms of making a decision, mm-hmm. I'll remind my girlfriends. They'll call me up like, I don't know what to do. Da, da, da. I'm like, where are you in your cycle? Just wait until you have your period. You'll get the answer in five minutes. Or if you're not cycling, I actually find that it's the same thing on the new moon for me. So there's the woo for you. But we love it. Wait, I'm riveted. Like this. Is I know. I'm, gonna, I'm going to be using this now. Yeah. Okay. And then, so you get, that's the menstrual phase. Then there's the follicular phase. And the follicular phase is like the springtime. So it's a time of new beginnings. It's actually when your brain is the best for planning and brainstorming and initiating. You get an energy surge. It's also, interestingly enough, a similar energy of the second trimester of pregnancy. Mm. Um, So that's, you know, when you get that burst of energy Mm -hmm. in that second trimester. 
And then your next phase is ovulation. We're familiar with that if you're trying to get pregnant, obviously, um, or if you're trying not to get pregnant. <laughs> and that's the same energy as the full moon or the summertime. It's like that full bloom time. It's the time when your pheromones are the strongest. So waitresses report having getting the highest tips during ovulation. You'll also just like, even if you don't feel like you look your best, you'll get the most attention. It's actually when you're the most attractive, literally, and also metaphorically for what you want, you know? Um, and then the the next phase is called the luteal phase. It's the autumn of your cycle. And it's the same energy as the waning moon. So as the moon is waning towards new. And that's the time of like your brain is the most wired for detail work. So crossing your T's, dotting your I's. It's a really focused time, but it's also an inward time. And also this is really, really important. So we have a whole, you know, we have PMS, right, is this medical diagnosis that we have, which is real. But also what happens during that time is we are we are poised to look for the negative. So we were talking about negative and positive before. During that 10 days or so before your period, especially the few days before, you're, you're heightened for seeing everything that's wrong. And here's what's so important for women to know. Everything that's wrong during that time that you feel like is wrong, you can trust that information. You just can't trust the volume of it. So it may feel like everything's terrible, but... It's it's the time during the month when your body gives you the information about what you need to look at and what you need to, to work on during your next cycle, during your next cycle. But it doesn't mean you have to, like, leave your marriage and leave your job. Like, even though in that moment, it feels like <laughs> I cancel everything. Like, it's like, oh, my God, everything Life is, is falling apart. I'm out. Right. So you can trust your feelings at that time. You just can't trust the volume of them. Um, and so. What's really interesting, um, and I do have to give a shout out to Elisa VT, who wrote a great book called Woman Code, is you can start to schedule your time around those phases of your cycle so that you're doing the thing that your brain is most wired for and everything gets covered in a month. And you do the thing that you're best suited for at that time rather than what we do in our culture, which is complain about the fact that we're low energy or say there's something wrong with us because we don't feel like hanging out with people. And I have like in my book, I have a daily energy tracker where I lead you through actually seeing what your energy is like over a 28 day period ish. Mm -hmm. And you can do this even when you're pregnant because I created all this stuff while I was pregnant and nursing and not having a period. Do, so. <laughs> do, do men experience this as well? So men actually, their hormones cycle on a 24 hour basis, which is why our whole world is <laughs> created right. for that. Right. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the patriarchy. Uh, that is so amazing. I just, I love this because I feel like we, it's so rare that we are reminded as humans that we're animal and that we're like connected to the moon cycle and, and the, the seasons. It's seasons, all the like, same. It's like, you can't ignore that miracle. Yes. It's so cool though. I love it. It's so I feel cool. like, okay. So just the one last thing I want to say is that in terms of the uh, what we were talking about, the mining, the, the shit for the good stuff. So what I saw is that I had been in a winter time of my creativity from a career perspective between between when my first book came out and when I got my period back after my first daughter. And like I finally had a freaking idea. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I was doing nothing. I was doing plenty no, of no, things, totally. but it wasn't like, you know, the difference between you're doing things, and but it's not the thing. Um, 
And so then all of a sudden I saw, okay, we've got these seasons. We've got these four cycles of the moon. We've got these four phases of the menstrual period. They're all the same energy. This is not a mistake. Like, this is divine. And I started looking at it from a perspective of our creativity and our projects. Because I'm an entrepreneur. We run our own thing. And so I'm always looking at how everything fits together. And so, like, for Mom Brain, for the podcast, for example, there was the time when mom brain didn't exist, right? So I call that the fertile void, which is the same energy as that new moon. It's the winter time. It just there's nothing there. But it's a really valuable time in the in between. Like like for you, Laria, you're really in this fertile void of of that wanting your fifth child. It's like it's that time of the pause and and that is where it can feel really awful. But I, but, but that's where the gold be, comes from because when you honor hopeful it full at the same time. Yes. I mean, I feel like especially people, you know, obviously because I've been so open about it, you get you people project their own feelings on it, which is you know, it's natural. normal. It's natural. We are. It's normal. I expect it. And I never, I'm looking like, oh, why are they treating me that way? And I was like, okay, I, I understand that this has a lot up to do about you. But I keep on telling people I'm okay. And I'm hopeful. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, I, I was just so relieved that it was over. Yeah. I, I, when I woke up from the procedure yesterday, I'm like, okay, roll up your sleeves. Let's, you know, get back to being healthy. Let's go, you know, let's get the cycle back, everything, and then try again. Yeah. Well, be, and I think that, you know, you talked about how you honored you honored the feelings and you've honored your 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 sadness. And like, I think that when we honor what we're actually feeling during those lulls, including when you have your period, like it, I, I'm talking like macro micro, right, that we actually do get then a more fertile springtime, summertime and and harvest next time around. So when you're we, being present. Exactly. Well, so when we stop pushing for that perpetual harvest, which is the producing something every day in the mm-hmm. way that our culture is just so obsessed with like more and new and better than before and better than the day before. But when we honor that pause, we do get we get fewer harvests, but more fertile ones. And we really are more fertile, literally, but also metaphorically. But that's that is so that just crystallizes for me so much of my frustration week to week of like there will be days where I sit down and I actually have, you know, miraculously a, like a two hour period of time where I can just sit and do work. And it's just it feels like pulling teeth like it is just slow going. It's not productive. It's just, you know, I can do managerial stuff, but none of the big creative things that I actually had planned to sit down and pour into. And then there are other days where I'm totally scattered. I have like five minute blops here and there. But ideas are popping into my head. And it's and it's frazzling sometimes because I'll watch John. You know, and he has his to-do list, and his to-do list gets crossed off. And every day is like, twenty-four hours. You know, it goes he, back to what yeah, you said. He, twenty-four he's hours. Setting every twenty-four hours. He go, you know, he does. He he like gets his exercise in. He gets his. You know, he he does whatever he needs to do, and it's and it just feels very. Every day is, in theory, as productive as he wills it to be, where mine sometimes feels out of control. Even if I really wanted it to feel like a hugely productive day, some days I'm just it just doesn't happen. And then some days when I totally didn't plan for it, it just pops out of nowhere. And that's why we have to zoom out, because we are incredibly productive. We're incredibly predictable. But over a 28-day period, not over a 24-hour okay, period. Oh, so, the monkeys. So predictability. We love that. Go back to the monkeys. <laughs> okay. Those poor monkeys. I'm sure they pulled the plug on the study as soon then, as they realized they the monkeys them, were. They gave and them, then the, they gave the them lot of all the resources and, and everyone was happy and the babies are fine. Um, so. Thank you, Disney. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so basically, I started tracking my period obsessively. And I realized, you know, due to my postpartum insomnia. Um, 
well, insomnia, but anxiety. And due to the fact that I'm just like prone to be an anxious person, I really was loving having something super predictable that I could count on. Like I knew what my body was going to feel like for five days. Then I knew the next phase was coming and I knew what my energy would be like. And then I knew and it just felt so good to feel that my body was being so predictable Mm -hmm. when I had just gone through an experience of feeling completely out of control with my Mm -hmm. body, completely out of control with my birth and whatever. And then I started to organize my time around it. And then I started to organize my projects around that larger macro version and start to work on my projects knowing that like okay some projects are in the fertile void that means that like if it's not coming I will just work on something else but do you try like for you do you try you know to do something when you're not in that phase well of course because I live in the world and I can't schedule eventually eventually I want to bring this to somebody who has a typical yeah Nine to five job that is relatively the same. The I mean, same I used day. to be I used to be a secretary at a doctor's office, and that was you know that that was um, you know a very 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 predictable sure. monotonous job that I had, and um, and I don't know where like my fertile void would have been. Yeah, I think in those times, what's really important is to just give ourselves permission to say like I'm showing up. I'm going to get the job done because we have to show up and we got to raise our kids and like make sure dinner happens and all. Right. Right. And also like, how could you just add the energy of rest into your day? So could you walk to the subway a little bit slower? Could you, instead of like listening to a podcast, could you just like sit and listen to some classical music? Like how? Or sit and do nothing. Sometimes I do that where I feel like every time I'm alone, I feel like I'm supposed to be answering emails or listening to a podcast or whatever, doing something productive, quote unquote, or scrolling Instagram, definitively not productive. Um, And I just now I've consciously started just putting my phone down and like sitting still, literally staring at a blank wall, like the nicest thing ever. Yeah. Or lying Your on brain the floor. needs that. It needs that chance to have no input so it, it can have does. Actually, chemistry rebalance. What the data shows is that we work the best in a 52-minute chunk with a 17-minute break. And this that- is insane. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so, yeah, this is really interesting. So what happens is if we don't take a break at the first sign of fatigue, so let's say you're doing a bunch of emails or whatever. This applies to somebody in an office, somebody running their own business, whatever. We get frustrated. Oh. Right? So you, well, you're sitting, you're working, you're writing up a report, you're working on a book. I don't know what you're doing. And then the first wave of fatigue hits. And what what do we do? We distract ourselves because we're trying to keep ourselves alert. So we pick up our phone. We start scrolling. We open a we new tab. We eat something we shouldn't. We, we, yeah, we eat something we yes. shouldn't. We, we start a new freaking task, right, instead of finishing. But if we would actually just take a break and stare out the window, take a walk around the block, go breathe fresh air, go hug a tree. I mean, but, I don't know what you want to do. But not everybody can take a break every 52 minutes. No, but you could get up and you. go pee. You can. Not everybody. Yes. But I'm just saying this is the data. This is the data. I'm okay. not saying I actually set a timer for every right. 52 minutes. That seems impractical. Um, but what? But it's just interesting to know that the way our work week is set up, some guy at some point in the Industrial Revolution decided that we would have a 40-hour work week. It's not based on the way the human body works. It's not based certainly on the way women work. It's not based actually on what's the most productive. Of productivity at all. No. arbitrary. And yet yeah. we're all just playing into it. Because somebody decided, you know, 
over 100 years ago that that's how we would do it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And I think, you know, it's I mean, I, I worked as a story coordinator, which is basically like the lowest of the low totem pole producer work. Um, I first job out of college. And I, I'm thinking back to now, like it, to that time in my life and if, if how I would try to apply these things. I think there are people listening who are like, I'm in a office job. I have no flexibility in my schedule. My boss is a taskmaster. Totally. Like I have no, no control over this. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, what could I have done in a way that wouldn't have felt offensive to my work co- you know, colleagues, but would have provided for me that way. I did. I walked to and from work, which gave me like a you know respite of just going to and from. But, um, you know, I, a lot of my colleagues took smoking breaks and I obviously didn't smoke. So I like I would go out and walk when they did that. Um, and like little places where I would steal back some time in my day, which was helpful. But I also think now I mean, that that was 11 years ago. I think now we are in a slightly different, slightly evolving culture where if you said, I mean, if you listen to this podcast and you tell your coworkers, like Kate Northrup told me and, data. and this is data and I'm going to be, I like, let's do this. Let's conduct an experiment. Let's see my productivity over this week compared to last week. Where, you know, last week I did it your way and you were happy with what I did. This week I'm going to do it my way and let's see what my output is. People are open to that conversation if you do it in a non-confrontational aggressive way. If you're like, I'm not saying your way is wrong. I'm saying I'd love to Let's see experiment. how this happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if any of you guys out there do that, or you, or you work in sort of a, a, a more conventional job and you have experience with this we would love to hear hear, from you and we we want to do some more things where we get the audience being able to like to to hear from you guys and hear your stories too so it'd be really cool we i do want to figure out the voicemail thing because i love people's voices maybe we'll do a call-in or something and i would love to hear your stories so let us know if you try that at home mombrainpod at gmail.com email us now okay i want to take this conversation away from the workforce and into home. Great. I would love to hear you talk about efficiency in terms of that, because I definitely have a cheaper by the dozen bathing technique and dressing technique and everything. And we are like, snap, snap, efficient, efficient. Well, just having a routine saves so much energy and time because there's no, we waste so much energy and time deciding what to do and whether or not to do things. And especially with kids, because as we all have all experienced, kids are so um, rigid. And if, but if you give an inch, right, they take a mile. So it's like, oh, this is just what we do. And that's how it is. I think that routines creates efficiency, period, end of story. I'm like such a stickler with bedtime mm-hmm. for that same reason and honestly with all the routines and then also looking for there's a um, so I broke my book into experiments so that we can try different things just to see what results we get. So there's 14 experiments and one of them is to simplify. Like I will say most days of the week because I work from home and I live in Maine, I just don't put on makeup. Mm-hmm. That's a simplification for me because it takes time. What am I doing that for? It's just extra stuff on my face. Like, so there's an example of like, there are things that we do just because that's what people do. And so my invitation for you listening is, what are you doing that you d- doesn't bring you joy and that causes you extra work and time mm-hmm. that you could stop doing? A girlfriend of mine, she lives in Brooklyn. She's a genius at this. She's my inspiration for this chapter. She just like doesn't buy clothes that require dry cleaning because she just took dry cleaning out of her or life. ironing. Or ironing. She now I don't, right, right, I don't the do the that. Time. I don't that's not one of mine, but like or she decided she was just only gonna have three pairs of shoes. So she has a pair of sneakers, a pair of flip flops, and a pair of flats. 
and because she found that for her, again, I'm not doing this, but for her, shoes were complicating her life. And she only has two pairs of jeans and she and her husband cut down all their clothes and they, they put them in one bureau. So the simplification, wow. she just saved all this time and energy that she was having from managing her wardrobe. See, I've become totally fascinated with the idea of a uniform. Yes, and the, me too. And people with a look. We had we had um, Debbie Mazar on the dish recently, and I said to her, "I was like, when did you when did you arrive at your look? Because she's you know she had I feel like she has such a signature. You know, you always know it's her. And she actually came to it when she was four. I mean, she said her mom would like pull her hair up in this exact top knot, and now she just adds a hairpiece to it. And, like it's literally <laughs> been her look forever. But it's there is such an ease, and it really it's beautiful. So she should keep doing it. But it um it it is such a unloading of brain power and energy when you have to every day like reevaluate who you are based on what you're wearing. Does it look good on you? Do you feel flattering? I mean, do you yeah. feel like you're presenting yeah. your best face forward? Your makeup routine, everything changing all the time. And I think, look, I'm as guilty of this as anyone else. Like, I love experimenting with new stuff. I'm a product junkie. I, I constantly am, you know, adopting new things. But I think that that obsession with the new new actually makes us it makes it really hard for us to plan an identity and it makes it it does create, especially for moms, like I do not have half an hour to get dressed every day anymore. And I don't I can't the also the 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 physical and emotional exhaustion I feel after spending half an hour trying to get dressed and still being unhappy with what I put on that day is really annoying to me. So I've become totally fascinated. Yeah, like with a capsule who do wardrobe. Well, if you think about what your what your husband wears, it's kind of the same thing every Jeans day. Jeans and a t shirt. Yeah, every yeah, day. Different slacks one. and a like a you know button up shirt or whatever. It's the same thing. And but he, Alec has like a million of them. He's got more clothes and more shoes <laughs> than I have and it all looks, looks the exactly same. the same. Although I have to say that I'm a bit of the wardrobe person with my what I do is I, I have my days where I have the energy to put that energy in. And then I have days where I'm like, I'm going to put my yoga pants on and my heels, my like boot heels and a sweater. And that's it. But do you feel more like yourself yes. on one of those days or yes. the other? Which yes. one feels more like you? Um, the yoga pants. Yoga because pants I am something. I mean, right now I, I started with like heels on and like sitting properly. And then, you know, now my <laughs> I've got a pill on my lap and my legs are crossed. And Cal was yelling at me for leaning in the wrong direction. But Not yelling. He's very nice. I lie. I lie. <laughs> such a good point. Is that, like to embrace... How that I mean, that is essentially what we're talking about to embrace how we actually feel instead of trying to make ourselves feel a different way. That that being said, you know, Daphne and I and I'm sure a lot of people for many different reasons who are listening to this podcast, Daphne and I definitely live lives where sometimes we don't you know, we agree to do something of course. and we agree to some, do something in advance. And that means that I have to put on a dress. And even if I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, we all have to do things that we don't want to. But like, again, like how can you infuse that experience with your actual reality? So like like you talked about, Daphne, like the experiments at work or at home, like a day when, for example, if you're feeling that low energy and you do need to cook dinner or whatever, like maybe that's the day that you could let yourself off the hook and just make noodles or or whatever. Like I think that a lot of a lot of the issue we run into with overworking and overdoing as women is because we have these unreasonable expectations of what it looks like to be the perfect wife, yeah. the perfect mother, the perfect woman. I do think we right? would all be so much happier if we just simplified. If we and and if we took that image of the perfect and analyzed what about it was most attractive to us because if what if what's most attractive to me was the idea of um self-knowledge 
comfort in your own skin and increased productivity by not having to waste countless hours trying to find an outfit that fits and works well. And, you know, then I'm having to clean up all the mountain of clothes that I've thrown to the <laughs> yes, ground. Yes, yes. Um, if that's what's really alluring to me, there's a million ways to do it that don't complicate my life, you know? And I think that that's, that's we, we've twice in this conversation talked about holding our holding a mirror up to ourselves and and doing the comparison game of like how does she over here you know magical mystical working mother who does everything how does she do it all and i and i struggle and then more in a personal you know idea how do i how do i achieve a life that lets me do less but achieve more. And I love that your focus your focus isn't on like, oh, let your life be half 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 ass. Like that's not the point. The point is achieve the same amount, but do work smarter, not harder, which I always and forgive and forgive yourself when you yes. are naturally feeling a certain way. Yeah. And then and focus I mean you you talked about it with your your friend in Brooklyn. Focus on what makes you what makes you happy. It would not make me happy to have three pairs of me, shoes. No, I mean I think a lot of shoes. Like I, like I will remember that for the rest of my life thinking that this this woman is happier with three persons. But how can and we that, do that with something else in yeah, our life? Exactly. Right, exactly. I definitely have things in my life where it does make me happy to like I get happy when I don't have that many like shampoos and conditioners. Me too. I just want I want to have a very specific beauty routine. So it's like it's certain things where you can, you know, you you can pick and choose. And I think that we probably we probably can all relate to it. Wait, I'm glad you brought it back to beauty routine because before we started recording, Kate had brought up Jeans, oh. <laughs> mom jeans from mom brain to mom jeans. Oh, the hips and the widening, yes, the of, widening the of the hips that happen after. Yes. So, so whatever. Busy Phillips recently wore her wedding dress. 11 years later or 10 years or whatever later on her show and she was talking about how her like, everything fit which is amazing I don't think my wedding dress would fit but she was like but my rib cage has widened yes mine too isn't it like you can totally be in a sick shape after you have kids but the body has just shifted your bones move hips and hips and your rib cage no unbelievable your rib cage can move up to 9 inches during pregnancy <sighs> what <laughs> But so so interest, interesting. Wild. Almost a foot. It's wild. I don't know how you guys feel, but I like my body so much better after having after kids. After having kids, I like my wider I feel, hips. I feel so much more feminine. Whereas, like, I'm always like you know a relatively thin person, but like now I have like more curves. And don't you write to me and laugh and say I don't, okay? Because I hate when people write down me on my Instagram and tell me I'm not curvy. Because in my opinion, compared to before, I am curvy. Well, all you know is compared all to I know before. Is before. Yeah. But I, it is an interesting thing that happens there's and this is like very weird but like my hips do something as very like in the first few weeks of my pregnancy my tailbone starts to like crack a little bit yeah and i think it has to do the widening of the hips and then months after having a baby it stops doing that because i think your hips do come in a little bit interesting and it's interesting this time around you know this this pregnancy that did not that did not go um very far it it started doing that and i'll be very curious to see how long it takes because i didn't you know support a eight pound baby how quickly it goes back to the same thing oh so it already started doing it started yeah no it's like i'll notice that as i sit like every once in a while my like my like low Lower spine will go like, Kirk. and I think it has to do with the relaxing, the relax in that allows your hips to spread and then come back together. So yes, all those people who say I'm not curvy, I totally have curvy hips. Okay, we and, can. Yeah, yes. you get to decide okay. for yourself. Yes. We all get to decide about our bodies for ourselves. Yeah, but it is true. Like there are things, and and right, there are things about our bodies that will never go back, and there are things about our lives that will never go back. And I think that that's like 
one of the things that I just continue to work on embracing as a total control freak, a recovering rich control freak, <laughs> that like things can be better. Like it's it's better now and embracing like the ways that I do love my wider and, hips. And the more that you try to hold on to control, the, the worse more it gets. I'm a recovering perfectionist, <laughs> as we talked about before. When with the whole perfectionism, with the control, you are so out of control because you are not just letting it be. Because sometimes you just got to stop fighting the fight. Well, it's and such a waste of energy and it's time a waste to try of energy. To fight and it. same thing with parenting as well. You know, we talk about a lot about that on yeah, Mom Brain. Do. The more that we yell at our kids about every small little thing, you know, it doesn't. My, I, I, I told the other day, Rafa takes a takes a lipstick the other day and and writes on my wallpaper, my beautiful, beautiful Excellent. wallpaper. <laughs> and I could yell at him, which wouldn't clean the wallpaper. Or we found makeup remover and we actually got it off and we did it together, you know, and then we talked about how we don't do that. You know, not number one, you, you ruined mommy's lipstick that I really liked, um, fixable, but like it was, you know, and then number two, that's not, we don't draw on walls, you know, you can draw on, on paper. But this goes back to what Kate had said about you can trust your feeling on something, but not the volume. Yes. And here, you know, you are totally legitimate to be frustrated or upset or whatever with your kids, with your spouse, with your job, with anything it might, that might be there. Um, but you don't always have to have this. You can modulate your response so that it, you get better results, working smarter, not harder. Yes. And for the first time, perhaps ever on Mom Brain, I really do think we have a theme here, even though we've lost our train of thought so, so many, many times, times and had so many like yes. funny little detours. <laughs> I think ultimately all of this comes down to finding ways to let your life help you be more comfortable in your own skin mm-hmm. and be more comfortable and maximize in your own life. Um, I love the, the techniques and the anecdotes that you shared today, Kate. I feel like we are, I, I, I have so much to think about just in terms of trusting my own body, trusting mm-hmm. what my own brain wants me to be doing. And what are we capable day. of? What are we capable of? And being okay with having some days feel like we're capable of everything and some days be more about that's the how we're designed. luteal phase. That <laughs> is how we're designed. Like that's the, that. that's the magic. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so oh, much for spending you so your time with us. This is so, so fun. This is so great. We, we can't can... let you go yet because we have not finished plumbing all that you know. We we love to ask our guests to share, even though you've already shared so many great books, which I'm I'm definitely we'll link that to them in the description of this pod of this episode as well, so you can grab them at home. Um, we like to ask our guests to share your favorite thing, and that can be just whatever you're telling your girlfriends about in this moment. What's changing your life? It can be a beauty product, a pair of jeans, a you know, a podcast or whatever. You can be anything that's totally that you love that people can get their hands on. Well, it's another book because I am such a book. I just read books. I Great. just love them so much. Um, so I'm obsessed with Adrian Marie Brown. Um, she wrote a book called Emergent Strategy in 2018, and she has a new one out called um, Pleasure Activism about the politics of feeling good. And I think it is Ooh. a lot to do with what we talked about today. Um, so I'm just going to give a shout out to Adrienne Marie Brown and and her, and all that she does. That's my favorite thing right now. I love Amazing. that. Amazing. That was Kate Northrup. And, um, you know, I I love her so much just because she's not saying don't do certain things at different times, but just understand emotionally, physically what we're capable of. Respect your body. Respect respect your body. And don't don't you know, when when we look at other at somebody else and we say, how do you do it all? Maybe they're just not. 
Um, and and we and are, they're okay with that. And they're and, they're and we can okay be okay with that. With that. Well, they, or, and if they're not okay with that, we should all be okay with that, and we should just be open that we're not okay with that. Um, because once we're open and we and we share it, it uh, it all it all seems to get yeah. a little easier. I love that she is about embracing the full potential of your life, and that that doesn't mean having to work harder. It just means working b- better, working better, working smarter. And potentially achieving the same, if not more, by doing less. Um, you know, her new book, Do Less, is all about. I honestly think she wrote it for working moms. Like that was her whole goal was to give mothers specifically a way to, um, a, you know, a way to make sense of their lives and 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 get the most out of it, and also just feel relaxed at the same time and be able to be with their kids, be with their family, do the things that, you know, have that balance in a way that feels very actionable. I think sometimes we, we talk about balance and we talk about having it all, but no one tells you how you're supposed to do that. And I think this book has a lot of great strategies for, um, for making sense of it in a modern world. Yeah, and get out of that dark and move place. move to Maine, you know. Move to Maine. <laughs> get out of that Maine. dark place of being your harshest critic. Correct, correct, correct. It's time for our favorite things. Now it's time for our favorite thing. Yay! So exciting. Favorite. favorite I love that we time. talked about mom jeans. Also, that was yeah, really. No, it's so we we, so I, true, we I, we're just gonna say we apologize for um, going all over the place today, um, but you know what? Hopefully, you're right there with us. So today is kind of a special favorite thing because Daphne and I, who have spent a lot of time together, you know, when you're like super good friends with somebody and you start becoming the same person in some ways <laughs> in some ways um, we both want to talk about earrings today um, and you know mine the earrings that I'm wearing today are special if for a couple of different reasons number one because I often wear um, these little stud diamonds that my husband gave to me on the day that we got married um, and are very special to me and I didn't know simple. that was their story I love that, that is their story yeah no so one nice. so I, I very rarely change my earrings I'm trying to a little bit more because I'm trying to be cool like Daphne oh yeah um, sure. who change, no you're like <laughs> you're always like changing it up and we talked about that in the podcast but you are like you're it's inspiring um, but so I have uh, I had these yoga students who are sisters um, named Satu and Celeste and they have a company called Tulest. And before Alec, they would come and um, take my class all the time. And they, you know, at one point they gave me this rose bracelet. And they have, it's it's kind of like costumey jewelry. Um, super, super fun. Yeah. And, um, and recently I found these earrings on uh, intermix.com. And um, and they're just like fun because every, you know a lot of people are doing the more plastic hoops and yes. I like these because they're a little tortoise shell and they're in hearts. They're really um, pretty and they're really pretty and they're light and and they're just they're just fun. And I love you know talking about being creative and talking about you know uh, working um, working women. These are this these are two sisters who are super super close and they formed a company a long time ago I think um, that um, where they get to do their passion and not that long ago guys guys if you're listening to this i'm not saying like long ago you guys are like super young but in like in terms of me like you guys were like so cool and coming to my yoga class and like these jewelry designers and um and you know i just loved that i got to see you guys on uh, on intermix it's always fun to get to, to when you know sort of the artist behind 
a clothing line or a jewelry line or a you know, makeup product, whatever that you love. Um, it's And I do think it's so funny that we both came with earrings to talk about because it is a little bit... Um, and I've gotten more and more into big, fun earrings, especially when they're light. And I do wear the ones that I'm going to talk about are also plastic um, because they're just you can kind of like toss them in your bag and they mm-hmm. totally upgrade an outfit. So yes. you can be wearing legitimate, you know, pajamas, <laughs> basically. And you put a great pair of earrings on it. It's, it's a very mom friendly hack. Yes. Um, same with headbands, which I think we've talked about before, too. Um, so the ones that I want to talk about. You guys have probably heard of them, but maybe you've just seen them and been kind of like, oh, I'm intrigued by those neon giant hoops that everyone wears. They're um, the ones that I have are from a company called Allison Lou, and they're called the Jelly Hoops. Um, they're lucite, uh, you know, plastic, basically, and they weigh almost nothing and they come in three different sizes. I have them in a million different colors because every you know every season she comes out with different collections she did neons for summer she had really pretty pastels in the spring and they just go with everything i feel like i wear them all the time and they are you know they're just they re- they're a big upgrade to an outfit that um i don't mind traveling with i don't mind you know having in my bag just for emergency <laughs> all right guys thanks for listening tune in next week and please 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 don't forget to rate review subscribe Follow us um, at MomBrain on Instagram. Watch our YouTube channel at MomBrain. Email us, MomBrainPod at gmail.com. Do a little less this weekend. Thanks, guys. This is MomBrain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. MomBrain is a Gallery Media Group original production.